You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. We just encourage you right now to rest in the presence of the Lord. This is a holy moment. Yeah. And so we want to recognize that. We want to recognize the fact that, that we're now in that place, that holy moment, where he does the miraculous within our lives. One of the things that uh, is so important is that we understand that we belong, that he has made us a family. Um, there is so much loneliness right now in this world. After the pandemic, people have been separated and so um, there is like a spirit uh, that has caused us to live in a place of, of being an orphan. And uh, we're separated and we're alone. And I feel like the Lord wants to minister to each one of us today uh, in that place of need because our needs are different. But some of the common needs that we have is the fact that uh, we belong, that we have a family, we have a father, we have a savior. We are filled with the Spirit as believers, and we are bonded together in His love. Uh, And uh, you can feel the presence of God. You can feel God resting on us. I would invite you to take hold of what God has for you. And we want to cultivate within our hearts and our minds the ability to receive what God has for us. Yeah, it's called spiritual transformation, the ability to, to connect with God. So I'd encourage you to, to rest. Um, as Jessup said, uh, it, God highlighted that word. It's like you and I are called to enter in that place of rest. The enemy keeps us so busy. All of life keeps us very busy. We see Jesus' life as he would step away from the crowds in the ministry Uh, And he would spend time with the Father. And so you and I uh, need to spend time with the Father. That's hard to do, isn't it? So many things. As soon as I want to spend time with the Father, then all of the thoughts and things that I need to deal with and take care of rise up. Yeah? It's the way the enemy works. And so right now, Just take a deep breath and go, thank you, Jesus. You're here. That might be a little bit foreign for us, but it's, it's practicing the presence of God. Let him fill you. You can feel his love. Don't let the enemy distract you. Rest in his presence. Yeah. It is well with your soul. Mm-hmm. Lord, we thank you. Yeah, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Lord, we dedicate this time to you in whatever way you want to deal with our lives. We ask that you would do that work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to practice today for me using the, uh, without the mic, because 
we believe that I can be trained. <laughs> we really do. Yeah, we believe that. Yeah, that I can actually be trained. <laughs> uh, so uh, today what I want to talk to you about, and it's something the Lord has brought up uh, a number of weeks ago, uh, and is the, the fact that uh, he's been talking about uh, being a coward. And I don't want to lose you as soon as I say that word. Because what happens is, is that we tend to panic, don't we, when those kinds of powerful words come up? But um, I was taught that you should summarize, be able to summarize an entire sermon in one sentence in order to help people. So this is what the Lord wants to speak to us today. And we'll look at Revelations and it'll list a coward as, a, as an individual who will not be able uh, to inherit the kingdom of God. And what I felt like he said was, is that, you know, when I, when I read that passage, then you immediately go to worry. Oh, Lord, I don't want to be in the end times where I am pressed and tormented and I might be a coward and then I go to hell. That's, that's the thought that goes through me when I look at that. And, uh, and then what happens, this is what happens for us. When we are confronted with those kinds of fears, those panics, then we withdraw and we run from the very resources of heaven. So the message of the Lord today is, is that he is saying, come to me, I will do whatever it is that needs to be done in your life so that you can fulfill your call and destiny. And so what happens uh, is that with sin and shame and all those things, we have a tendency to run from God rather than running to God. In other words, if you don't want to be a coward in the end times, what you want to do is, it's now, now it is time not to be a coward when it comes to God. Now is the time to press into God and let him do the work that only he can do within our lives so that we will not be a coward. And so uh, we'll take a look at Revelations, and we'll talk more about that. But we want to expand upon that, because there are a number of issues that would cause us to be cowards, and we would run from the very thing that God has called us to, and we will not see his glory as a result of that. So uh, you can pull up uh, your Bible. Uh, I trust that those of you who are on your phone with your Bible are not looking at Facebook or texting someone or checking any other social media or seeing what the weather is like, okay? All right, so now, you know, really, we do need to be responsible here. Yeah, yeah, really, we do. Yeah, we're growing in Christ, and so it's important that we grow up in Christ. So anyway, uh, turn to Revelations 21. And we're looking at verses 1 through 8 because it gives us keys uh, into the life with Christ and what he really wants to do in and through us. It says, um, when I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, there was no longer any sea. And I saw holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful, dressed 
for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he, he who has, was seated at the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give a drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. And he, uh, and he who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards and the unbelieving and the vile and the murderers and the sexually immoral and those who practice magic arts and idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal what we need to hear today. Lord, I ask that because you are, you have a unique relationship with each one of us. Lord, I ask that you would speak specifically to our heart and the individual needs that we have. Your creative ability to reach into each individual uh, member of the body of Christ and reveal your truth is the miraculous work of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we're looking for you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, so it's quite a list, isn't it? Wow. And it's a bit terrifying. And I, I think it's interesting that coward is the first uh, sin that's listed there. Why? Because I think it's a key. It's a root. Cowardliness will then cause us to actually see the other things crop up in our lives. And so it is important to understand that God is very serious about being a coward. As I said earlier, you know, it, it's that the, the first impression that you have when you look at that passage is, is that you're thinking of the end times, you're thinking of the, the trauma and turmoil and all that kind of stuff, and the great testing, and you're concerned that if you're in the midst of that, that somehow you will fail God, that you will actually run, and you will be a coward. That, has, that is true, and it has uh, elements of truth, but I believe there's also additional meanings. Isn't it interesting with Scripture how there are layers and layers of truth. God has the miraculous way of revealing deeper and deeper levels of truth in our lives. And as a result of that, uh, it is the living word. It is active and alive and is dealing with the things that are within us. And he has come not to condemn us, but to set us free. The power of, the, of, of God is to set you and I free. It's his deep desire to do that. Why? Because he loves us and he knows that we need freedom. And so we see this list of heinous crimes that are listed along with being a coward. Uh, but um, it, it, it's, what's interesting is if you would define being a coward, uh, if you look at it from a military perspective, it, it's an individual that runs away from the battle. It's when fear overwhelms them and they run from the battle. And... Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've, I know that in my own life, there have been times where the Lord has engaged me in things that I am called to do, and I've gone in the wrong direction. I've not seized the opportunity. Now, 
the good news here is, is that God is able to, uh, to redeem those kinds of things. And so I, I don't want to focus on what's wrong within our lives because that is so easy to do. And the accuser of the brethren, the, the devil is always after us to try and point our failings and our mistakes. And so that's not the purpose of this. But rather, we do need to acknowledge that we are snookered by the enemy, if you want to use that terminology. We're deceived in some way, in various ways. And, and, and God is here to actually touch those places and to redeem them, to transform them, and to deliver us from those kinds of things. So we're talking about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're talking that we are not living as orphans disconnected from God, but rather we are sons and daughters of the most high God. And he has a plan and a purpose for our life. And he will do that work within us. One of the things that I have missed over the course of my spiritual experience is the grace of God. In other words, the empowering presence of God and the fact that he's the one that delivers me from the issues of life. He is the one who does that. I don't do that. I was raised within a church, uh, and they, they did the best that they could, but, but I did not get that. And, and it may not, maybe it was something that I missed. It wasn't necessarily their fault. I'm not here to blame anyone but rather to understand that God is dealing with us with grace. He is dealing with us with empowering presence to transform our lives. That is what brings glory to God. You can't save yourself. And the second thing is if you try, it doesn't bring glory to God. Being delivered by his power and presence is what glorifies God. You and I are the, are the objects of his love and we have the opportunity you are called now into this moment in time to reveal the presence of God and do the miraculous things of God on his behalf. He has called you for such a time as this to, to see his kingdom revealed in your life. You are not what you would say, well, I'm just a nobody. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm just a, a bench warmer or whatever. God is working in our lives. He's calling us out of those places of, of being a spectator in the kingdom. And he's calling us into out onto the field. Now, what does that look like? See, what you do is you compare yourself with other people. You're like, well, I can never be like that. Well, God didn't intend you for you to be like that. He intended for you to be you. And, and we need to discover who we really are. And then out of that, we are then empowered and equipped by his grace to become the men and women of God, expressing the unique presence of God in each of our lives in that very unique way. You and I are special. We have been called by God for now to reveal his glory. And he has come to conquer the things in our lives but do not be a coward. Don't run from God. Run to him. See, a coward runs from those things. That's why it's listed here as a, as a heinous sin. If you and I run from what God is doing in our lives, we will never receive the resources of heaven to live the life of victory. And God has declared over you and I that we will be victors. He fully intends to be victorious and he's going to do it through you and I. 
Now, you and I need the grace of God to cooperate with God, to let him do the work in us so that he might be glorified and we might fulfill our call and destiny. Your life has great meaning and great purpose no matter where you're at or what you're doing or how old you are or any of those things. Those are all just details. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. Now, some of the things have been delayed. Why? Because we may have been a coward. We've been running from God rather than coming to him. I mean, there is that possibility. You can delay the call of God in your life. But God is saying, don't waste what I am giving you. He's appealing to us. Do not waste the resources of heaven, but rather steward them and see them bring the glory to God and the benefit to you and I. And so you and I have the ability to reflect the true nature and character of God. And it comes through his grace. And so God is saying to us, stop running, stop hiding. Step into my presence. Come close to me. Let me do what I need to do. You don't need to save yourself. I've done that for you. Now come to me. Let me hug you. Let me declare a true identity over you. Let me reveal who you really are. See, the problem is, is that it always comes back to identity. We don't know who we are. The enemy continues to lie to us about who we are. And as a result of it, when we believe that, then we act on it. And then the enemy points to our behavior and says, see, it's true. And we go, yeah, it's true. It's got to be. I can see the behavior. No, that's a lie. The behavior does not define us. The behavior does not define us. Your behavior, what God is looking for is a revelation of your true identity. That's why this morning there was just this sense that we, there was a, uh, it just felt like the enemy has really been tormenting us with a sense of being disconnected, of being alone, abandoned, you know, and the pandemic has, has actually facilitated that. It is the work of the enemy. It is the work of the enemy to break us apart, to keep us separated, to keep us alone. Why? Because he knows that when we're alone, he can beat us up. He takes us into our dark alley and he beats on us. But he doesn't beat us up if we stand together against the work of the enemy. And so if he can create isolation within our lives, he then can exploit us. He can lie to us and then we start believing the lies. You realize, uh, well, the media is well aware of this, the political system is well aware of this. You say the same thing over and over again long enough and everyone starts to believe it. Yeah, we lack serious truth. And I'm not talking politically right now. I'm just talking about the world in general. We seriously lack truth. God is truth. He's called us to truth. He's called us to live in the truth. Why? Because the truth sets us free. And so we need the truth. It comes from various places. It comes, it, Jesus is the truth. He's declared that. That is his true identity. He is the truth. And, but how Jesus gets to us comes through scripture. It comes through uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who are connected by the power of the spirit to reveal those things. God has multiple ways of reaching into our lives. And we need to be open 
open to that. There, sometimes people go, well, you know, if it isn't there, uh, it isn't, uh, you know, show me this. Well, what I find interesting with, particularly with the prophetic and with the, the areas where, where people are, uh, are speaking the truth of Jesus in love, that those things never disagree with Scripture. They always confirm it. But it has a unique and appropriate revelation that comes. There is power there when God speaks with his truth. It does not conflict with scripture, but it comes and it penetrates us and it brings us life. And that is the key, ladies and gentlemen, life. God has called us to life. He has not called us to death. Death was never supposed to be a part of the agenda. Yeah. If I do a funeral, we, we camp on that for a little while. Why is it so difficult? Because we were not created to die. Now, death has now come as a result of sin, but it is not within our nature to die. We were created to live. That's why it is so difficult. Yes, it is, it is not what God had originally intended. All right, so... So as we look at this, we begin to see that there are some things. The question would be, so how do I avoid being a coward in the kingdom? How do I avoid this? You know, it's easy for me to stand up and say, oh, this, these are the problems, and then go, okay, well, let's go home now. No, that isn't helpful. <laughs> that is not helpful. What's helpful is understanding what, God, what is God's solution to the challenges here. Okay, so first of all, when you see sin in your life, no matter what it might be, let's not panic. <laughs> let's not panic, because that then drives us from the resources of God. Let's go in humility, because, you know, God can't work with a pride. He can't work with that prideful spirit, but he works with humility, and so when we see those things, when God is gracious enough to reveal our errors, the things that, and, and you realize that all sin destroys relationship in some way. That's the reason why we, that's why it's called sin. The whole purpose that, of why do, you know, why, do, why is it called sin? Because it destroys a relationship. It violates the creation of God is what it does. That's why it's so important, you know, and so, so, but as we are confronted with that truth, we then are, rather than, because with Adam and Eve, what happened was, was they, they were confronted with the truth and they ran and hid. And all of humanity has been running and hiding from God ever since. When God says, Come close to me. Come to me and I will deal with the issues. And so don't listen to the enemy. When those things crop up, those things, those sins in our lives, God is saying, come close to me. Don't turn and run. Don't be a coward. Don't do that, but rather press into me and let me deal with that. We are quite aware after struggling over a number of years that we don't do a great job of saving ourselves. I mean, it's just there. It's the truth. We just don't do it. We can't. We were never intended to save ourselves from the work of the enemy. We can't do it. He's more powerful than, than we are. But the thing of it is, is that 
What's interesting is when you and I enter into battle with the enemy, and that, some, that can be sometimes just standing against the enemy, sometimes it's advancing the kingdom, but you need to know that you have God standing right behind you when you're in the throes of the battle. But if you forget that God is there, it is very easy for us to turn around and run. And so it's so important that we remember that God has our back. Actually, we're in that sweet spot. He leads us into battle and he follows us into battle. Okay, we are literally surrounded by the presence of God as we go into those places of battle. Why? Because God fully intends to be victorious in and through our lives. Yeah. And so are you beginning to see how important it is not to be a coward and how it's defined by God, what he's really looking for within our lives? So he wants, he wants us to come into relationship with him. So what are some of the things that need uh, to take place in order to prevent us from working and living out as being a coward? The first one is already within the passage before that in uh, verse 6. And basically what it is saying is that if you're thirsty, see, one of the good prayers for us is to say, God, make me thirsty for you. That is a great prayer. Make me thirsty for you. And in that, if you are thirsty, then you look for a way to quench that thirst. And he says, I will give you living water. Okay, it's beyond anything that we can describe. It has to be experienced. There are no words. I think that's part of the reason why, I mean, there's a number of reasons why God gave us the, the spiritual gift of tongues. But uh, one of them is the ability to express in a heavenly language the things that you can't express with, a, with an earthly tongue. It, it transcends this realm. And so, but, but it's like, Words cannot express what is available to us with the heavenly water that is available to each one of us. And so, pray that God make you thirsty. Pray that you become thirsty and then in that, that deep desire, you know, if I've been out mowing the lawn, I come in and I need a glass of water, okay? I'm thirsty because I've expired. There, I mean, there's, uh, there's been enough perspiration there to, to, uh, to, to need to be replenished. And so with that then, that, is, that kind of thirst that you would have in the natural is the kind of place that you and I need to live in with God, you know, where it's like, you provide our next breath. You provide the moisture that we need. You provide our daily bread. You provide everything. The sustenance that is available to us comes from you. And so, as you focus on that, uh, you, you begin to realize that he fully intends to overcome this world with the living water that he wants to give to you and I. And it is available to us. It says without cost. It's free. Okay. Now, I love a good deal. I love a good deal. Free is really, you've got my attention when it's free. I really like that idea, okay? And that's what he's saying here. It's free. It's free. And it's like, why? We have to be blind. If you and I are willing to give up the free living water that is available to each one of us in the kingdom, what is missing there? Where's the disconnect? In that, then you ask the Lord. Everything that you run into 
that is a challenge, you press into the Lord. Lord, what's the solution to this? How do you want to work through this? What do you want to do? How do you want to glorify yourself in my life as I'm in the midst of this challenging situation? It's an opportunity to reveal the presence and power of God and what he really wants to do. And so one of the ways to prevent all of this evil that flows to us is step into the relationship with God that allows you to receive the living water. Now, we won't go to the passage of Scripture. You can write it down. But uh, in, uh, in John 7, 37 through 39, it talks about, Jesus talks about the living water, which in, in essence, it says that is the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the description of the Holy Spirit. So you and I need the presence and power of the Spirit in our lives in order to see the will of God accomplished within our life. Now, most of you already know that, but I'm here to remind you of that. Okay, why? Because we forget, don't we? We lose track of the truth. There are so many distractions, but this morning, be reminded it is the work of the Spirit. He is the water that will actually then quench your thirst and bring spiritual transformation to you and I. And so, so you press into God. So, so living water, the presence and power of the Spirit, is one of the aspects of conquering that cowardice thing that would want to come into our lives. Okay, the second thing is love, Okay. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. This is found in John 14, 23 through 27. What's interesting about love is, is that, you know, scripture, uh, the, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, begotten son, okay, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, the act of God was to give Jesus because he solved the problem, okay? What I find with love if you genuinely love someone, you're willing to live sacrificially with them and for them, right? Yeah. Okay. I won't talk about marriage, but uh, there, are, there are many places, relationships, where if you genuinely love someone, you are willing to sacrifice on your behalf for their benefit and for your benefit in the relationship. Okay? That's exactly what God is saying to us. God so loved us that he sacrificed himself on our behalf. And he is now drawing us into a relationship with him that allows us to now sacrifice for him. Yeah. I have found that, going back to this free, I found that things that are given free many times are not as valuable as things that cost me something. Yeah, not always, but it's in the context of, it's in that context of it's worth it and I will sacrifice because it's worth it to me. That's what God has called us to is a mutual relationship of mutual sacrifice. I know that it, there's a sacrifice to God when he has to put up with me and my stuff sometimes. 
But he doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. He endures in the midst of that sacrifice. And he has called me to mutually love and respect him and to sacrifice on his behalf. Why? For the benefit of the, of the all, the good of all. There is a benefit in mutual sacrifice. Why? Because there's a transition, a transformation that takes place. And so, so loving God, but we can't love God without him first loving us. He actually, that's what scripture says. We love because he first loved us. We don't do a great job of loving ourselves, God, or anyone else without the presence and power of God's love in our lives. So we need to see, receive his love. Then there's transformation. Then in that context, there is also sacrifice. I'm willing to sacrifice for those people that I love. And God has called us into that relationship. We will sacrifice. And so in that then, I don't run from the things. I actually press into the things of God. Why? Because of love. I don't, I, I don't become a coward. Why? Because there's a greater call in my life. And that is to love the Lord God with everything within me and to press into whatever he's called me to. Now, many times what we think about in the, in the idea of this, uh, of this battle is, is that uh, we, we, run from, uh, we would run from the, the, the enemy or uh, we would run from uh, other people. But I think that many times the battle that takes place is internally, that we literally run from the work of God as he does a work inside of us. You know, there are enemies within us that we, tr uh, we can become cowards towards. Rather than pressing in with the resources of heaven, we let the enemy run over us internally. And as a result of that, we don't see the victory. So there are, there, the enemy comes at ver in various places. But what the, the key issue, because if you think about it, God has to deal with the internal part because then the external is actually dealt with. It's when he deals with the core issues within our lives and he destroys those things rather than us cooperating with the enemy and being a coward and running from God in those things. What happens then is, is that as we press through and we receive the victory, it then starts at the core of our being and then begins to work out. And so here you are, you're afraid that in the end times you will be a coward because it'll be too difficult and you'll end up losing your salvation. No, God is saying, don't worry about that. He says, let me do the internal work within you. Let me do what I need to do within you. And it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. You will be a victor. Why? Because I have already claimed victory inside of you. And you have cooperated with that victory. And as a result of that, you will be bulletproofed against whatever happens in the future. That is what God wants to do within our lives. That's what he wants to do. So do not run from what God is doing as far as an internal work within your life. And it will look differently depending upon who you are. But ladies and gentlemen, we're family. We're all in this together. God has called us to a family and we lift each other up in prayer and in various ways as God is doing that work and we go, yes, press into God. Let him do that work in you. Let me do what I can do to help you in that. Part of it is just the fact that you're not rejected in the midst of difficulty or turmoil. I mean, you know, 
The body of Christ is to be the safest place in the world, and sometimes it's the most dangerous place because of the lack of, of health, wholeness, and maturity within the body of Christ. We are not here to be a danger to each other. We are here to have, cover each other's backs, to be encouragers, to, to bless, and to see what God's going to do in and through our lives and the lives of other people. If we genuinely love each other, we hang with each other during adversity. We do not become cowards and abandoned individuals or situations. We don't do that. That is not of God. That is the work of the kingdom of darkness. And we can be susceptible to those things. Why? Because the kingdom of darkness is a crafty devil. And he speaks all sorts of seductive lies to us. And if we don't have a protection of the Holy Spirit within us and the body of Christ surrounding us to help us as we bounce things off, we don't see what he's up to. And he gets a hold of us. And all he needs is to get his foot in the door. All he needs is just a little bit of access. That's why he's the master of compromise in our lives. You know how it works. We've all compromised with the enemy. We've all seen him take ground in our lives because we let them slip his foot in the door. Just be mindful of that. Lord, grant me the wisdom and revelation to see the enemy trying to slip his foot in the door and get into my life. And then, if you're in the context of relationship, what's cool is, is that God's speaking to other people. They're like, hmm, why, well, God, why are you bringing up this individual's name all the time? What's going on? Hmm, I'll bet you something's happening here. Yeah, and so you begin to pray into that. Now, you may not know the specifics, but then you, but you begin to, to press in. And the Lord begins to reveal what's going on. I love it when the Lord talks to me. It's so cool to be invited into the divine relationship with God. I would encourage all of you to press in and hear the voice of God and let him speak to you. Why? Because he's got a lot of things he wants to talk to you about. Yeah, and he isn't just here to condemn us. He's here to facilitate dramatic transformation and freedom to each one of us. It is, it is key. You cannot miss the truth that you need, the presence and power of God speaking into your life so that the kingdom can be advanced, okay? So that he can be glorified. All right, so, so living water and love are two very important aspects of this. Now, the final one is that we, you and I need to get rid of shame, okay? As we look at uh, Adam and Eve, we see uh, what's interesting is, uh, you know, they, they realize that uh, now some theologian believe that Adam and Eve were actually clothed in God's glory. In other words, they were clothed in the light of God. And at sin, at that point of sin, they actually, the glory of God departed and they saw their nakedness as a result of that. It's an interesting concept. Now, you know, some uh, surmise that in heaven, you and I will be clothed in the glory of God. We'll be clothed in light. So it's an interesting thought, but it's like they realized that 
they were naked, they saw that there was something wrong, and they became cowards and hid from God rather than pressing into God. That is exactly the same game plan that the enemy has for you and I. When we're confronted with our sin, our nakedness, the, the vulnerability, the enemy wants us to run from God rather than running to God. That will not work. That will destroy us. And so no matter where you're at, what you've done, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you have a God who loves you and is willing to take you and to transform you. He says, here, bring everything. Bring all the garbage with you, and we're going to deal with that. Now, that is good news, ladies and gentlemen. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That brings life to us. And that is the message that you and I carry within us. And it doesn't mean that you beat people over the head with a Bible and say, repent, you know, you're filthy and all of that. That's not helpful. It just means that in the context of relationship, the places that you and I have access to people, you reflect the character and nature of God. And many times it's with a prophetic word. You actually speak life into their life and transform them. There are all sorts of opportunities. You know, growing up in the church, it was like, oh, man, okay, I'm going to school. Oh, man, you know, I'm convicted. I'm not sharing the gospel with any of these kids, and they're all going to hell. You know, they're all messed up. You know, everyone's smoking dope and doing everything they shouldn't be doing, you know, and it's like, it's like, oh, God, this is so tough. This is so, you know, it's like, I, I didn't understand the presence and power of God. I didn't, ha I didn't have the spirit with me. I didn't realize what God really wanted to do there. You know, and so, so it's like, evangelism, spiritual transformation, living as a powerful person of God is not a burden, it's a privilege. You've been called to a privileged life. Maybe you don't realize that, but it's important to remind you of that. You and I have been called to the privilege of revealing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to the world around us. And it happens in many wonderful and unique ways. See, I had tunnel vision. I, it was like I was given just kind of a, a couple narrow bands that I needed to follow. And I always felt that I was never good at it. And I wasn't because I didn't feel I was, you know, self-fulfilling. But the thing that is, is that God has an answer for every situation that you run into, every individual. It's like, okay, God, what do you want to do here? Now, I am not intended to be the, the savior of everyone, okay? What God wants is he wants to use me to reveal him as the savior into situations, but sometimes we get confused. We, we all of a sudden, we think that we're the ones that have to be the Savior. No, 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 no. We have a Savior. You, and, and people don't need you to be Savior. In fact, things go really wrong when you try to become someone else's Savior. Really wrong. What you want is you want the Savior to flow through you. You want people to recognize that you are a living witness of the power and presence of God. That's what you want. That's what God is going to do in our lives. It is the work of God. And our job is to cooperate. So, shame drives us from God. It is our enemy. It's powerful. Uh, and 
When we succumb to that, we actually cut ourselves off from the resources of God. Yeah. I need resources. Yeah. I need resources from heaven to live a life that's pleasing to God. And he, he you know, I had this sense that, that you get saved, whatever that might be in your particular denomination, and then after that, you're on your own. You're abandoned. You just had to be good. And it's like, I can't be. I mean, well, okay, I, I, you know what? I'll pretend. I'll just ignore the sin in my life. Yep, I'll just ignore it. And I will continue to remind myself, well, at least I didn't do that. You know, I'll compare myself with someone else. That is so helpful, isn't it? Yeah, so helpful. Yeah, well, what it does is it medicates the shame, but it doesn't deal with it. Yeah. And so what I did was the enemy provided me with all sorts of, of twisted and false solutions to what God was saying. Hey, wake up. Come close to me. Let me do what I need to do in your life. And when I began to realize that, then the peace that passes all understanding begins to float into your life. Yeah? You want to deal with anxiety? Let God speak into the midst of the storm within you and see what he has for you. You can rest in that. He has solutions. The problem is, is that we struggle in hearing his voice. Now, you can hear it in his written word. He will speak directly to you. Sometimes he'll speak through other people. I love being in community. Why? Because God's speaking to each one of you, whether you're listening to it or not. And if I can help cultivate within you the ability to hear the voice of God, if I can call it out, if I can bless what God is doing in you, it grows and it flourishes and it bears much fruit. We're not looking for fruit that just generates 10%. We're looking for a thousand percent increase in fruit within our lives. And if we cultivate it within each other, if we call it out and we bless it and we encourage it, we will see that. We will see that kind of production take place within the kingdom of God. You are a part of something far bigger than yourself. You are a part of something magnificent and grand. And it is the work of God in you and through you. You, you get to contribute. You, you bring your two, loaf, uh, your two fish and what, five loaves. or I, I lost it. Okay. Two loaves of fish. Yeah, what is it? You know. You know the story. Yeah, you bring that, and then all of a sudden there are baskets full of fish and loaves of bread to be passed out. That's a principle of the kingdom of God. That's what's supposed to happen within our lives. Okay? So, so we have to really let God deal with the shame in our life. So it's interesting when you look at fear. Fear that... The fear of the Lord is actually designed to drive you to the Lord, to lead you into the presence of God. The fear of the Lord. You know, when you think about fear, usually you, you run from because of fear. But when you, when you begin to realize that your only hope is God, when you genuinely fear the Lord and fear who he really is, his identity, your only recourse is, is to run to him. So the church is actually missing a component of the fear of the Lord. We fear man. We fear ourselves. We make ourselves and we make men 
gods unto ourselves. What they think and how they feel is more important than what God, what you think and what you feel about me. We elevate others above God. That's idolatry, by the way. So if you're really worried about sin, let's look at that one. The fear of man is idolatry. Okay. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. I don't like that idea, you know. Here, let's, let's repackage in a way that's more palatable to me because I don't like to deal with the real issues. But it is idolatry, yeah. And so we have to see the fear of man die within each one of us so that God can live in and through us. So he says, come near to me. Let me show you my love. Let me cause within you a mutual sacrifice that will destroy the nature and character of the enemy and reveal my true nature. So your charge today is, because if there's no call to action, you just walk away and go, oh, well, you know, that was kind of interesting, I guess, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Actually, I really didn't like what he had to say, so I'm going to just ignore it. You know, there, I mean, there are all sorts of options. But my hope is, my hope is that to, for you, each one of you today, is that the Lord has brought to you a revelation. The fact that you don't need to be a coward anymore because God's got your back. He goes before you and he goes behind you. You are surrounded by God. You don't need to run from God. What you need to do is run to God and let him do what only he can do in your life for the spiritual transformation that he's called you to. Okay? Let God destroy the shame and the lack of love with his love and the presence and power of his Holy Spirit. Stand with me and let's pray. So Lord, we can feel your presence. We can feel the fact that you are here to love us, to set us free, that you're here to save us from ourselves, the work of the enemy, the deceptions, all of those things, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you bring us peace, that you destroy anxiety. I feel like one of the things that, that, that within, within this room, there's a lot of anxiety. And the Lord is wanting to minister to that. If you struggle with that anxiety, that fear, the Lord wants to deal with that. He wants to replace it with his peace. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come in that special way. Lord, first of all, we ask that you would establish within us our true identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. That, Jesus, you have done everything necessary to give us the Father. And now we have the Father. Where we've been missing Father, you are our Father, and you are a loving, healthy Father, unlike any Father in this world. And so, Lord, we press into that. And, Lord, we ask that as we press into you, 
as we drink from your living water, the power of your spirit, we ask that you would wash away the anxiety in our lives. We ask that you would show us how to surrender those things, those false gods within us that have created the anxiety. Yeah. Lord, you embrace us with everything that you are in that love and that adoration of us. And so, Lord, we rest in your sufficiency. Yeah. More spirit. More Holy Spirit. You can feel him coming now. Yeah, let him, let him come. Yeah. Let him do his work. Yeah. It, it, it's like there, there's so much warfare over whether, in fact, God loves you or not. He does. He does. And he is doing the work in you. You can rest in him as he fulfills the work. He's begun a good work. He's faithful to complete that work. And so, don't run from God. Don't be a coward. No. Lord, we press into you. We press into the resources which is your love and the power of your kingdom to see the transformation that each one of us needs. Lord, we thank you that you've bonded us together as family. Yes. So, Lord, I ask that you would teach us how to be healthy brothers and sisters in this community of faith. May our lives, both individually and corporately, bring glory to you. We lift you up and we say yes, Jesus. And yes and amen to everything that you have for us. And we pray that in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Be- you are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.